who, what, where, when, and why? These are the questions we ask when a crime has been committed. <laughs> That's right. Hi, I'm Veronica. And I'm Sarah. And this is our Art Heist podcast, where we talk about art heists that have happened in the past and not the future. And Because <laughs> we're not there yet. Season three. Um, feature art heist. But yeah, this is what we do. We talk about art heist. We talk about the artwork that was stolen. We talk about the people who took it, if we know who they are. We kind of explore the story together through our yeah. friendship <laughs> as PIs and art people. Yeah, we also happen to be private investigators who have backgrounds in the arts. We've worked in art museums and as art writers and in university galleries, all that good stuff. So what are we what are we going to talk about this week? I'm taking us to 1961. Oh, what a great year! London, the National Gallery. Not my favorite art institution in England, but so definitely important. Yeah, there, I lived there, not in the National Gallery, but in London, <laughs> and it was there, and I went through it a few times. So I did not know about the story in 2007 when I was wandering around the National Gallery. What were you doing in London? You were living there. <clears throat> I was, I was living in London, okay. and I was uh, pursuing a pointless degree. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but Great. one that actually got me a job, so maybe not pointless. Right. Yeah, so 1961, August 21st, 1961. And August 21st has a great significance in the realm of art heist because it is the date that the Mona Lisa was stolen, the first time the mm -hmm. Mona Lisa was stolen from the Louvre. And that is something that this art heist has in common with that art heist. Hmm. So, a man whose identity I will disclose later because it's kind of a controversial one. It, it could be one of two people. We'll go into that later. But let's just say we know he's a man. So he climbs up a parking meter and jumps over the wall of the National Gallery, finds yeah. a ladder, props it up. It's a six-meter ladder. I'm using British <laughs> measurements right now. And he... Uh, pushes a window open, a bathroom window, into the gents' room. So he didn't go in the ladies. Right. Good choice. This is like before, like right around dawn, he pushes himself through the window and he's in the museum. I should mention that he had planned this the day before by wandering through the museum and unlocking that window for the oh. sake of doing this the following morning. Good planning. So he prepared. He's like, I don't want to bash a window. I'll just be civilized about it. And so he went into the gallery and he stole a painting by Goya. It's a portrait of Duke Wellington or Duke mm. of Wellington. And there's a whole story behind that that I'm going to go into in a minute. But he just took it and he left. But it had okay. significance that they took, that this person took this one painting by Goya. Do you want to know what it is? I would love to know what it is. All right, so let's go into some history of war. So back in 1808, uh, Napoleon put his brother Joseph on the throne of Spain. Apparently, Joseph was a nice guy, but everyone hated him because he was affiliated with Napoleon. Mm -hmm. And so the Duke of Wellington, he fought Napoleon's troops in Spain, and then he succeeded, and he entered Madrid in August of 1812, and he finally completely defeated the French forces by 1814. And this is a huge victory for not only um, England, but also Goya, who was in Spain and 
kind of witnessing all of this. And he had a lot of admiration for Wellington or so historians say. So he did portraits. He did several portraits of him. And because the Duke of Wellington was a hero, um, this portrait, this 1812 portrait of this military hero is very important to England. However, a New York collector named Charles Reitzman, he had bid on the painting um, £140,000 at an auction. And this put England into a state of unrest and they wanted it. They didn't want it to go to the United States. So they they offered him a hundred thousand pounds to make sure that it stayed in England. So So why were they selling it? Or why I, or was it, it it went to auction and I'm not sure why it was even going to auction. It wasn't in the okay. National Gallery yet. Gotcha. It had okay. not been in the National Gal- Gallery. So someone had it in their someone personal had collection it, and it was up it for sale. It goes to auction. Yeah. Okay. This guy has a lot of money. He wants it. England's like, it's do this. Here. So they're fighting for it. Yeah. And so they win. They mount it in the National Gallery. And 19 days later, it's stolen. <laughs> and it slips through a bathroom window. And no one saw it happen. Nobody. No guards saw it happen. Wow. It just happened. Very easily, it seems. So was the museum open? I guess this was maybe like a nighttime was this a no, it was dawn. It was like, oh, dawn. You know, it's like yeah. the sun is starting to rise. But it was before the museum was open, probably. Yeah. Okay. I think the guards were starting to get in there. Mm-hmm. So this happens, and the director of the museum is incredibly humiliated. He offers his rec- resignation, but it is rejected. Um, he's like, I must leave. Why does he think he needs to leave? It um, just seems it seems a little much. It seems like a like an over the top gesture for something that he had no. It was really his had, fault. Yeah, it wasn't his fault, and you know he could have just dealt with it in a different way. It seems I don't. Maybe he was unhappy. You know what? Maybe he was not even digging this job and was looking for any reason to skedaddle, and that came up. He, he and he. Just I think he wanted decided. to be an exiled museum director. I think he that was secretly loved Napoleon. Life. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they reject his resignation. And and then they also, they're like, well, we must improve the security conditions here. So they do a night patrol and all of that happens. Because this is the first time an art theft actually happened in the National Gal- Gallery of London. Hmm. So they get like dogs. and So they got a bunch of dogs after the theft. As if it was going to happen night, again. Night patrol dogs. Yeah. Well. I mean, it was done quite easily. And that's embarrassing. Yeah. I think that's this when this happens, most museums are embarrassed. Because especially when you hear of how easy it was for the person to get in, you know, or like in this case, someone just unlocked a bathroom door. It took no real, you know, skill or brains. I mean, you, a little bit of brains. I mean, you have to plan that somewhat. But for Some the most brains. part... Yeah. <laughs> For the most part, yeah, that was pretty easy. So mm. I can see where the embarrassment comes in. Yeah. So then a, um, a ransom letter is sent 10 days later to... 10 days... 10 days letter? Later. <laughs> 10 days later to the Scotland Yard. In the letter, the thief says, The act is an attempt to pick the pockets of those who love art more than charity. The picture mm. is not... And will not be for sale. It is for ransom, one hundred and forty thousand pounds, to be given to charity. And then later, it's claimed that my soul 
object in all this was to set up a charity to buy television licenses for old goddamn Xfinity popping up a window <laughs> for old and poor people who seem to be neglected in an affluent society. Mm. Which I would love to hear what Pierre Bourdieu would say yeah. about all this. Yeah. I mean, so then next, the following year, 1962, there's a pop culture reference to this theft because they haven't found it. They haven't found the work. They haven't found the person. And a James Bond movie comes out called Dr. No. And there's a scene where there's this portrait, the Duke of Wellington in a room that the villain is in. And Sean Connery, who's Bond, pauses while walking through this dining room of this villain's house, just points to this copy of Goya's Duke of Wellington and says, well, there it is. <laughs> nice. So at that point, it's, you know, it's it's a thing. It's like yeah. people know about it. So it's a jo- you can make a joke like that. You can and make people, jokes. And people get it. Yeah, but hmm. to back up, I have a question about the ransom letter. Y- yes. So it was 140,000 pounds that yeah. he requested. And so that was the same amount as the person in the United States was exactly. going to pay. Okay. Right. And the invo- and the ransom letter points to the fact that this is an important thing for the government to have this painting. They're going to have they're going to put this money towards this work being in the National Gallery. It's a government-run gallery space, mm-hmm. so to speak. It it shows that okay, this this is a different kind of art heist, right? When these kind of ransom yeah. letters are yeah. being sent, it's common for a ransom letters to be sent after an artwork is stolen, but of this kind, and and for the work to be for the money to be sent to a charity, mm-hmm. very specifically a charity. I'm going to get into this a little bit more later that goes towards the elderly in this country being able to watch the BBC for free instead of being very specific. That's a very specific charity. Right. Okay. Very curious about what the hell that's about. Yeah. So then in um, 1963, a year after this letter, um, one very wealthy man in England says his name is Spike Milligan. And he says, I would name. Yeah, he he wants to contact those who have the missing Goya portrait in their possession. And he sympathizes with them and would like to attempt to meet them with a view to raising money independently to be donated to a charity of their choosing. And he said this was a sincere offer and done without the police or the authorities getting involved. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. What good strat? That's a great strategy. Well, it didn't result in anything. There's just... Radio silence. Okay, well, good try, Spike. Then the Royal Academy in London also got involved and said, we would like to offer money. And in exchange, we'll do a summer exhibition um, that will be discreet. And this will all be for this charity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, who can be more philanthropic? Like, how else to get this money than... It's like a strange philanthropy. (laughs) Help these people, damn it. Like, we're going to keep this painting... You know, we're going to keep it blindfolded and tied up until you give this money to this organization. So that's going on. Then the following year, 1963, there's a note from a man named Kempton Bunton. That is not a real name. There's it, no way. It is. <laughs> that sounds like a fake name. Okay. It's a name right. in England. I don't even have the right accent for it. But Good try. And they're enclosed in the letter is a the label from the back of the painting, the original label. Oh, so they're serious. It's like someone sending a finger 
Yeah. Like I chopped off the finger of your daughter and like I'm not give me the money. Joking but this around. time the label has been Oof. taken off the painting. And and there's a suggestion as to how they can deal with this, which is uh please give one hundred and forty thousand pounds to the agreed charity plus immunity for prosecution. <laughs> I, I gotta throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing to me that people trust when when someone is given immunity, it's amazing that they trust it. Like if I asked for immunity and someone's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we'll give you immunity from prosecution. I don't think I would believe that. I would have to, I don't know, I would need a lot of things in writing before I believed that I was going to not yeah. get charged with anything. I know. Okay. I've never been in that situation before, but <laughs> I'm not. I would not trust <laughs> their immunity offers either. So then in 1965, uh, and I'm going to go back to this Kempton Button character that his name has been revealed all of a sudden, but I just want to kind of We're jumping go ahead on to, to, 1965. The, to the Ransom Note series because there were several Ransom Notes over the course of several years. Okay. Um, so in 1965, the, um, there's another letter and it says, Goya's Wellington is safe. I have looked upon this affair as an adventurous prank. Must the authorities refuse to see it this way? I know now that I am in the wrong, but I have gone too far to retreat. Kind of interesting. I guess he mm-hmm. hasn't gotten what he wanted yet. And it's basically he can't back down now. Right. But he then proposes an anonymous return of the painting and wants an exhibition to happen. This is so bizarre. Why? <laughs> but here's the here's the caveat of the exhibition. Everyone who goes to see this exhibition of this one painting pays five shillings each. And then these funds are sent to, to the, the charity. charity. <laughs> so that old people can watch BBC. <laughs> and also, P.S., the thief, not be prosecuted. Uh-huh. Naturally. Okay. So the Daily Mirror, which I think is like a tabloid in England. Yeah. Maybe. I've heard of that one. Was an important newspaper at some point. By important, I mean not such a tabloid, not such a gossip rag. But anyway... It takes up the challenge of organizing this exhibition. And I live there. And you, when you're sitting on the tube going to wherever you go, the tube being the subway, these... London. S- yeah. <laughs> newspapers, people are, like, handing them out to you at, like, 6.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, they're shoving them in your way. And do you take them or do you just At first I would avoid no? them. I would be like, no, no, no. And then I started taking them after a couple months. Why? Just... It's, it was easier? I didn't want to read theory. I didn't want to read about Ranciere. I didn't want to read... About Marxism anymore on the tube. I wanted to read about you wanted shitty gossip. gossip. I just wanted gossip. Yeah, give me that gossip. <laughs> so yeah, they have some power there. Anyway, my computer just died, and okay. um, but that's cool because I have memory <laughs> and I have a few notes. Let's talk about Goya actually for a second before yeah. I feel like we're overshadowing Goya. Like we're just or we're not even addressing the importance of Goya here at all. Yeah, this is, I mean, Goya is an amazing artist with an amazing legacy. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. He's known as the last of the old masters, and Picasso is super influenced by Goya, and Guernica, his painting, was influenced by Goya's depictions of war. And what I love about Goya was that he was so obsessed with the truth of the was so obsessed with the truth of like human brutality, of war, of corruption. He wanted everyone to be exposed. And if he could do that with his art, then he would. And he did. So he didn't hold back. He, he really went back. into the darkness 
kind of full speed ahead and really dug in. Full throttle. Full throttle. Yeah. Or darkness. There's some very um, disturbing pieces by him that are also incredible. Mm -hmm. He just, he has those kind of paintings that once you look at them, you can never forget seeing them in a way. And, you know, one being the 3rd of May, that's a very famous piece Mm -hmm. by him. Um, But even, you know, later in his life, he's also one of those painters that he was making work into his old age and wasn't really recognized until he was quite a bit older anyway. And he he had this need to to draw war of of like the church being corrupt, of royalty being corrupt, even though he was a government artist he he painted the royal members and he's he saw spain transform during napoleon's reign and and then return to itself and then somehow he went to france but then he died in france do we know why he went to france or it was just a move that he chose later in life yeah he was like in his late 70s mm-hmm. he was very deaf um, he was having a lot of struggles and he went to Bordeaux, like Bordeaux, not Bordeaux, Bordeaux and died there. I don't think he was like, I want to go die in France. I think he just had a, he needed a change of pace. He just wanted to go see some other place. Yeah. And then sense. he died. And there's this weird story where his Spain wanted his body back. They wanted, they wanted to have his body just like right. England wants to have Duke of Wellington, mm-hmm. you know, and they got his body back, and apparently the skull was missing. Whoa. So there's creepy. a theory that the skull was taken off the cadaver or whatever. So that's like and a second art heist within this art I heist. know. Have we even explored the art heist where people steal the body parts of artists and keep them? <laughs> no. Um, so that's so a little got, bit about so Goya. someone maybe has Goya's skull. Right. Eey. Creepy. And I'm so upset that my computer died. But um, here's what I want to talk about, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm really going to be missing some important information. So I'm going to go off the top of my head. And So then there's this whole issue with, um, what's his face? Bunton. Kempton Bunton. The mm-hmm. guy who claims guy he who has took a it. pretty fake name. And he, yeah, and he, um, he at this point is like in his 60s. He's bus and truck driver. He's not what people expected when they when they were investigating this whole heist. They did not think it'd be just dude, just a, your average truck driver Joe, right? Huh? Yeah, I'm sure they're doing the thing where they assume that it's major warlords or you know sophisticated criminals or something sexy at least. Yeah, right. But they're not expecting old Kempton. Yeah, <laughs> who um, claims this was done for the sake of, of this he, being so upset about the fact that he had to pay, I believe, four pounds a year to watch the BBC. There's like this licensing fee mm. that he did not think the elder people of England should have to pay. Mm-hmm. He did return the painting. In, and this oh, is did. another similarity to, to the Mona Lisa being stolen. So that was when the first time the Mona Lisa was stolen, it was returned. Mm-hmm. Like anonymously, sort of, just like left somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. And in this case, he left a letter. The last letter was saying where it was, and it was in a bus station locker in Birmingham, England. Oh, so like a little scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. So they open it, and there it is. 
And they knew, did they know his name at this time or were they just going off these ransom letters? Ransom letters, I believe. Okay. All right. So his name wasn't revealed and yet. They still didn't know who it was. Right. So this is 1965. It's taken out of the bus station. It's the Goya. It is confirmed. And he's identifying himself, not as his actual name, but under the name Mr. Bloxham. How do you spell that? B-L-O-X-H-A-M. Bloxham. Okay. Which apparently is a reference okay. to... Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest. Mm. Then in July of 1965, this retired cab driver, truck driver, bus driver, he walked into, in July of 1965, he walks into the police station to turn himself in. His name is Kempton Bunton, and he's a cuddly 252-pound grandfather, according to (laughs) this Guardian article from 2011. It did not match any of their expectations, but they took it, and then it it became a trial. He had an incredible lawyer. This lawyer argued successfully that the work was actually never really stolen. It was borrowed for the sake of justice. That there was an injustice, economic distribution within this country, and that all he did was borrow it. Now, because the as frame if it belonged to him to begin with, as though because it's a government affair, right? And his tax dollars are going oh, towards something. Wow. That's kind of a, I mean, hey, he that's succeeds. A he succeeds at it wow. because the only thing that at the end of all this, the Bunton is charged with is stealing the frame. Wow. And like because I guess it was not included in the locker. And that results in three months in three months prison, <laughs> and then he's out. Wow! And that's then amazing. you know what happens after he dies? What this uh, licensing fee that he was so outraged by that he thought was so disgusting that elderly people in England were being charged this fee? It was done away with. I mean, because of him, like in honor of his death. I don't owner? know. I don't know wow. entirely, but but it just that no longer existed. It was after he died. It it was changed in the seventies. In nineteen seventy one, it was changed. I mean, I don't know what their deal is right now. Like what TV's A very different now, but for television, yeah. The other side of the story is, and the reason I say we're not quite sure if it was him or not, because there's a theory that it was his it was his son who did it, who did the actual theft, John Bunton. That sound. I mean, if we're talking about a grandfather here, a 225-pound grandfather, whatever they had described it as. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem like someone who's going to be charging up a ladder and Mm-mm. I don't know. Father and son heist. Mm. And the way I imagine it and why I'm attached to this heist is I imagine this um, situation that I think many people can relate to where you go hang out with your parents, or your grandparents, and... They're complaining about something that's just not right. You know, like, it shouldn't be that way. So his son is probably going to go visit his dad. And then his dad is like, I'm so upset. I have to pay four pounds a year to watch BBC. And eventually, you know, maybe his son does that thing that we all have in us to do. That moment when you've been hearing someone gripe about something for so long and they're just not doing anything about it. And you're like, fuck it. Let's do something about it. Right. Dad, let's Let's do it. Let's hatch a plan. What should we do? And then... (laughs) This brilliant son is like, let's just steal this Goya painting that they that is so important to them mm-hmm. to, to make a statement. Right. Switch of those priorities. Right. And? And they did it. 
I, I mean, mean, they did it very successfully. I would say this is this might be one of the most highly successful, successful heists. So they didn't get immunity, really, but they basically got immunity. Yeah. I mean, essentially, if you get charged with stealing a frame, that's... I know, three months. So that means that people probably liked him in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 they were willing to be so lenient with him, he had to have... Maybe, maybe everyone hated that damn fee. I think a lot of people did. And I think it spoke to, you know, as a public spectacle... People were able to weigh in. Newspapers were very involved in this heist. I mean, it was stolen, and it wasn't until four years later that this person comes and confesses. He turns himself in. Because maybe he was aware of how theatrical the justice system, especially in the 60s in England, could be, where certain lawyers could argue about the most ridiculous things. I mean, I've I've kind of looked at different cases that happened during that time period, and you can really see how... They go to bat for something that you lawyers go to bat for something that you think they would never succeed at winning a case. Mm-hmm. And, and then they do, which also speaks to the judges of that time. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. I and mean, there's kind works. of there's there's sort of a Robin Hood vibe to this. Yeah. That is I could see why people would kind of get behind, like because he was acting on behalf of the people. Yeah. You know, and and kind of stealing from the rich to give to the poor, that whole thing. I mean, I could see why people would just say, you know what, let him go. He was just trying to do some stuff for us. Yeah, and by the time he's turning himself and he's just this old man who wanted to watch TV, like, <laughs> It's adorable, on. come on. <laughs> so cute. And Goya, I think, would have, had he been alive for all this, would have been, come on, everybody. My whole thing was exposing people for doing corrupt shit. So what uh, what does the Goya painting look like? It just looks like a dude. Are you going to look it up on your phone because my computer's dead? I'm about to look. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Duke of Wellington. So he's wearing his gear. He's a war hero. Oh. It's okay. not like, it's not a piece that you would, I mean, if if I didn't know the story behind it and I saw it, I would just walk on. It's really not that great of a painting. I'm but gonna... what it represents is. No offense, Goya. We love you. I mean, he doesn't care. <laughs> I'll just speak on his behalf. I'm going to. At the time that it was bought, you know, this Kempton Bunton character was glued to the news and paying attention to everything and griping. And and this idea is hatched probably first as a joke and then becomes a reality and mm-hmm. then becomes a strange thing like that is on the stage of of the media in England and beyond. Yeah. I've got to be honest, he also looks a little flushed. The Duke looks, he's quite rosy. I know. <laughs> and he's got, he's got all of his little um, regalia. Regalia. That's the word I wanted. Yeah. And a very stylish red coat. I'm a big fan of red coats. He's got one. All right. I'm warming up to this painting the more I look at it. It's, it's like one of those things that the painting is, I mean, he means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, or he wouldn't have had I not known the story. But now that I do know, the next time in, I'm in London, I'm definitely going to beeline to that right. yeah. painting. I'm going to go right past Lucian. Okay. Right past all the stuff that I'm actually kind of curious about. And I'll be like, Duke of Wellington. <laughs> there you Hello. are. You went through a bathroom window. You hung out in the suburbs of England for mm-hmm. years. With Kempton. And, and here you are you again. You helped people watch TV. It's great. You, thank you. 
did it is, well. To... I, what I like, I mean, part of the reason why I like looking at these paintings that are stolen is to imagine, like, it's it's fun to imagine this painting sitting in that grandfather's living room and him staring at this amazing work of art and just piece of history in his in the privacy of his own home and just knowing what he has like that feeling I can't ever imagine until obviously we pull off the art heist that we will do at some point in our lives oh yeah right? yeah okay. I cannot wait and so I, until that moment <laughs> until that moment um I just I really like thinking about people having these works of art in their house me and too just sitting on it and feel and like sweating when they look at it you know they're like Wow, this is worth 140,000 pounds of TV watching. Anyway, let me find one of these letters. There's some really good ones. So did he, these ransom letters, were they on a typewriter? Or how could they not trace it back to him? Or were they the classic cut out of magazine? Honestly, I believe they were just typed up or written and sent to the police. I don't think back then they really... They were doing fingerprints and all that? Yeah. Maybe they were doing fingerprints and it just... Kempton wore gloves. Oh, Kempton didn't even do it. I think his son or did. John. But I don't even know if they wore gloves. To be honest, <laughs> did they have gloves back then in the sixties? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, this is like a third ransom letter that they send, and it's like the terms are the same. An amnesty in my case would not be out of order. The yard are looking for a needle in a haystack, but they haven't a clue where the haystack is. <laughs> I'm offering three pennyworth of old Spanish firewood in exchange for 140,000 pounds of hu- human happiness. Wow. A real bargain compared to a near million for a scruffy piece of Italian cardboard. Damn. Cheeky. <laughs> As they say. That's actually a great ransom letter. I know. Quite the linguist. I mean, they had some fun. Yeah, it does. It sounds like they're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun with this crime. Really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think this is um, one of my favorite heists. It is, it's in the top five for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the motivation behind it is really interesting because it's not so self-centered or it's not just for um, the individual's benefit. Right. It's, it really it's is for about the people. It's for the people and their television. Yeah. I wonder, so why were the elderly people being charged? I wonder why it was just old people and not everybody? No, everyone was being charged. But, oh, okay. Um, but there was this belief that people who are retired or elder should not be charged. Like, they've done their time. They paid their dues. Give them a break. Yeah, like, give us TV. Right. Like, they can't do much. Just we can't play them... football anymore. Like right. soccer. I mean, you know, like we can't play cricket and I'm really a fan of your accent. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Give us the telly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh I think we're yeah. Yeah. One more? Um nope. <laughs> okay. Fine. You'll it'll, bloody hell. I knew it was there. <laughs> I knew you had one yeah. more in you. You know my okay. favorite word? That people said all the time when I lived there, knackered. Oh, is that, that's like tired. I'm tired. Yeah, I would that's like a good one. Run into people and I go and they'd be like, knackered. <laughs> hey, how are you? And that was like always the response that I received. Hmm. It's like the equivalent of, I guess, the American busy. Oh, right. So busy. Yeah. yeah. So busy. Yeah. But knackered sounds better. Just knackered. Yeah. Let's bring it back. 
Come on. Let's I mean, I think they're it. doing it still. Yeah. But let's I bring mean, it yeah. here. <laughs> let's across bring it here. the pond. Yeah, to not Tennessee. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a very good art heist. I like that one. Yeah. Thanks, Vero. Uh, thank you. And I'm sorry that my computer died because I had some more information, but oops. Well, um, oh, also, I want to talk about, I want to give a shout out to Julia Martin for making an amazing artwork for our last episode. If you haven't heard the episode, um, it is about the 1985 de theft from Tucson, Arizona, and Julia love Just, what she did. Yeah, she did a really cool um she superimposed painting. one of the the faces of the thieves, one of, of the, the suspects, Rita. Rita onto a de Kooning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, I think that's It's pretty brilliant. So, if you haven't seen it, go look at it. I love the sacrilegious um, aspect of it and I like it. the way she did it. We love sacrilege on this podcast. Yes. Um so if you go to our Instagram, Thickestives Forever, you can see her work of art. It's right. great. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Thanks. This is a podcast brought to you by We Own This Town, the Nashville network for podcasts. And our theme song is by Patrick Dampier. And our artwork for the podcast is by Saskia Kojias. And the episode-specific artwork is by whichever artist jumps jumps in to do make it in time. <laughs> artist that we talk to. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>